Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Intention is often talked about, often discussed, and uh, often misunderstood. Uh, there's a saying in English, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Which would make you question the good of those intentions if the road to hell is paved with them. Uh, what kind of intentions are they? And why would good intentions uh, lead you in that direction? Well, it has to do with the nature of what the intention is grounded in. It has to do with the nature of where the intention comes from. It has to do with what your idea of good is. Now, if you look outside in the spring, you'll see grass and all of a sudden you'll see blooms come out of this grass. Uh, tulips, daffodils, iris. How do they appear out of nowhere? Well, they're actually buried in the ground as bulbs and then they come at their rightful time. So a bulb uh, before it can become a flower, has to be buried. And it has to be buried in good soil, or something wrong will come out. Likewise, an intention has to come from the right place. Which means that when you set an intention, you have to be in the right place. And if you're not in the right place, you can't set an appropriate intention. Your intention will be crooked. Your intention will be off. So what is the right place? What is the place that will fruate into an appropriate intention? It's a place where there is humility and a lack of grandiosity. It's said of the earth that the earth is incredibly humble because it allows everybody to walk on it and it doesn't rebel. Well, likewise, if our intentions come from that place of humility, then our intentions can be appropriate. If our intentions come from that place of understanding that we are not the doer, that Allah is the doer, and they come from that place of being grounded in that understanding, and we walk in that understanding, then our intentions have the possibility of being correct 
intentions. And correct intentions don't lead towards hell. They lead towards Huck. And that is what we should be striving for. Well, it's also said, uh, you can tell about your relationship with Allah according to the place that you're at at this moment. So, it means we should probably look at where are we at this moment. Now, that doesn't mean where are we physically, uh, where is our residence. It means what's our state. What is the way we are? What is our level of peace? What is our level of surrender? What is our level of being calm as opposed to being hasty? What is our level of being serene as opposed to being angry? What about our equanimity? How solid are we in our place of our relationship with Allah? I'm going to tell you a story that you may have heard before, but even though it's a great story, there's one line in it that I think is very important. Um, The Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, was about to commit to um, a certain campaign against Mecca while he was in Medina. And he asked for charity. And Umar came forward and said, I give everything I own. I'm sorry, I give half of everything I own. And sat down. And then Abu Bakr got up and said, I give everything I own, and then sat down. And then the Prophet said to Abu Bakr, uh, if you give everything that you have, who's going to support you, your wife, and your family? And Abu Bakr said, I will rely on my Prophet and my God for the support of myself and my family. Uh, All of the funds were gathered, and... uh, normal life was going on and for three days Abu Bakr was not visible around the area where the Prophet was and Abu Bakr and the Prophet sent someone to Abu Bakr's home to see what was the matter why he wasn't there and the man went to Abu Bakr's home and he didn't see Abu Bakr outside and he knocked on the door And Abu Bakr came to the door and responded through the door. And uh, he asked, who is it? And he said, I've been sent by the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. And the Prophet hasn't seen you in three days. He's wondering where you are and why you haven't been. And Abu Bakr responded, well, you see, I pledged and gave everything that I had for the Prophet's request for charity. And all I, all I was left with was a cloth that my wife and I share uh, 
when we do prayers. I do my prayers with the cloth and then I give it to her to do her prayers. And I was too embarrassed to come to see the prophet. And then uh, the man said, well, the prophet wants to see you and you better figure out how to get there. So Abu Bakr went into his backyard where there were date trees and he took down a group of palm fronds and created a skirt out of the palm fronds and went to see the prophet. In the interim, uh, Gabriel came to see the prophet and uh, he said, I have a message for you. Hmm? The angel Gabriel came to see the prophet and said, I have a message for you from the Lord. And at the same time, uh, Abu Bakr approached uh, in the palm fronds. And Gabriel was also wearing palm fronds. And the prophet said to uh, the angel Gabriel, why are, I, I, why are you wearing palm fronds? And the angel Gabriel responded to uh, the prophet and said, all the angels are wearing palm fronds in honor of Abu Bakr. And then Abu Bakr approached and uh, Gabriel said to Abu Bakr, I have a message for you from your Lord. And your Lord has indicated that you are to be told that if you are content with your Lord, your Lord is content with you. And then it's said that Abu Bakr did the first sema, the first whirl. And, and the important words in that story for me is if you are content with your Lord, your Lord is content with you. So, what is our state? Are we content with our Lord? And if we want to have a connection with our Lord, we have to be content with Him. And then He is content with us. There's a reciprocal nature to all of this. Now, to be content with your Lord means what about your state? It means that you're satisfied with your state. You don't have any pressing issues that are overwhelming you to the point that they've taken away your peace. You've been able to stay within your peace. And what is the Arabic word for peace? Salam. What is one of Allah's names? Salam. So if you are in the state of God, (laughs) Salam, God is in that state also. So we need to understand that our state is a reflection of our state with Allah. So, if you want to know where you are in your relationship with Allah, look at your own 
state. And if your state is not content, if your state isn't peaceful, then something needs to be done about it. And usually, or at least often, the problem is patience. We have this overwhelming lust and or desire for something to happen, and we do everything we can to push it to happen. Meanwhile, it doesn't seem to be going in that direction, and it throws our state off. So, what's happened? We've allowed the shadows of the illusory world to control our inner state, which is supposed to be connected to Allah. And as long as we're playing and juggling shadows, how can we possibly think that we are traveling towards Haq? And how can we possibly think that our intentions are coming from a place of peace, a place of satisfaction, and in a place of appropriate nature? So, if our intention is to be right, we have to be right. Or else, our intentions become crooked. Our relationship with reality is beyond imagination. If anyone reads anything about quantum mechanics, uh, the understanding of physics at a sub-molecular level, you begin to notice right away that what is going on in the realm of the unseen is beyond that which we can track with our minds. It's beyond that which we can understand with our eyes because we can't even see it with our eyes. We can't hear it. And what we do have is we have these theoretical physicists trying to create theories as to what it is. And they're very straightforward about being theoretical. The problem is that the ones who study their theories and are four or five or six or eight levels removed for them begin to take their theories and treat them as if they're real. And that's why when you're in school in fourth grade, you see a circle, uh, and that's the atom. And in the middle of the circle, there's a dot, and that's the proton. And on the edge of the circle, there's another dot, and that's an electron. It has nothing to do with what's actually going on. It has to do with somebody trying to draw a picture of a theory and trying to give you something concrete to believe in. What? Trying to give you something concrete to believe in? To take the mystery out of it? To take the truth out of it? And that's what happens in the world. The ones who can't understand and are overwhelmed by the complexity and the glory of the mystery between us and Allah try to give you concrete examples 
to hold it in place for you so that you have something that you can hold on to. Unfortunately, the examples they give you of what to hold on to are too often worldly in nature, have nothing to do with divinity, and have more to do with their ability to be able to control you and the way you think. So we have to understand that in the cosmos, there's darkness. But the light that is in the cosmos is from him and him alone. And if we look towards anything else for that light, we are mistaken. If we look towards anything else for an explanation, we are mistaken. If we look towards anything else for a true understanding, we are mistaken. Now, he has sent to us his divine messengers. He has sent to us his divine ketubs. He has sent to us his divine words. And we have to gain knowledge from all of these sources so that we can have some stability in our pursuit to find that comfort level of being at peace with our Lord. But whatever it is that upsets that peace, whatever it is that throws that equilibrium out of balance, we have to learn to let go of. We have to learn not to hold on to. Because if we hold on to it, we will begin to spin out of control. Not necessarily out of control in a worldly way, but out of control in a spiritual way. The most important thing for us is to hold on to our contentment, to hold on to our peace, and to hold on to our patience. In Genesis, in the chapters on Abraham, there's a section where it says, And Abraham sat at the door of his tent and waited. And it doesn't tell you how long he waited, but in the next paragraph, three angels came to visit him. Now, can we sit and wait until the angels come and visit us and deliver the message from our Lord? Do we have the contentment to be still and silent? Do we have the contentment to be in a state of equilibrium while all those around us are in the midst of chaos? Can we be silent while all the dogs are barking or do we join in the cacophony of howls do we become a howler or are we able to maintain our silence and our contentment we need to understand the absolute importance of this contentment We need to understand the healing nature of this contentment. When a mother holds a baby and the baby is crying, what does the mother do? It goes, 
And it pats its head. That's what a mother does. It brings quietude to chaos. She brings peace to chaos. We need to bring peace to chaos. But the first one we have to do it to is to ourselves. And if we can bring peace to our own chaotic existence, then by merely walking into a room where chaos exists, quietude will begin to enter into that situ- situation. It's like uh, the, ta- the, the tuning fork that they use for a piano. It vibrates, and if there are any other tuning forks in the room, they pick up that vibration. Well, our Sheikh, Muhammad Rahim Baal Muhayyadeen, came as a pillar of peace, came as a pillar of love, came as an exemplar of the qualities of peace and forgiveness. And being in his presence, we became attuned to those qualities. Now, the point was that we were supposed to take those qualities and then go out into the world with them, not leave them at his threshold when we walked out of the room. Those qualities were to be spread and to be taken out so that the world could understand what those qualities can do for you. If we had peaceful world people in the world, we would have peaceful leaders in the world. If we had peaceful leaders in the world, we would have peace in the world. But it begins with one peaceful man or woman. And ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. So if you don't see anybody peaceful around you, and there are no examples of peace around you, become that example. Join in to that example. Become peace. And then there will be peace around you. And then you become a doorway for peace. And as a doorway for peace, you become a doorway to the Lord. First as a doorway for yourself, and then as a doorway for others. So it's each of ours responsibility. It's each of ours work to bring this understanding into the world, not just with words, but with being. So we must become Salam, peace. We must become patience. We must become gratitude. And in that becoming, we fulfill the intentions of the prophets and of the divine words that were sent to take us to him. May that path be easy for us, and may we all walk in that direction. Amin, amin, ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa